Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart to find out what makes them magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my simpleton turned digital <laughs> god and co-host, Alex Dandino. That's my, <laughs> That's my digital voice. That's right. So, guys, this is uh, still the Pod Fears the Net month. Now, this one, again, is virtual reality, but I think what we learned by the end of the movie, we're actually talking about a more all-consuming uh, internet-style fear. Really, That's why we picked this one. Really, with all these movies, the essence of like what VR is is the internet. Like they just yeah. didn't know to call it the internet. Yet. <laughs> well, they all kind of come off as like, oh, these are games, yeah. but they're the kind of games we'll live in and they'll take over everything. Right, right. Everything's it's like very... an open world. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's the internet, but not uh, really it's, a it's good like open a, world. Yeah, it's like Job says, right? Is that uh, my birth will be r- brought in by you know the most ancient of technologies, the phone. Yeah. Back when we had dial-up lines, <laughs> and by 2001, you'll all be connected to him. Right. Uh, so, of course, guys, speaking of Job, this is 1992's The Lawnmower Man. David Koresh's um, favorite movie. Real, real, what? Real fact. Waco cult leader David Koresh's favorite movie. <laughs> I always thought David Koresh was the simpleton uh, lawn man of cult leaders. <laughs> That is a that's a hell of a plug. I'm yeah. actually I'm accruing information now on uh, serial killers and whatnot's favorite movies. So that's an interesting one to add to the list. There you go, man. But uh, <laughs> oh my god, I'm gonna die of laughing at the start of this. <laughs> okay, so I don't know where to start necessarily. Let me start here. I can't believe because this is we watched this on Amazon. I rented it uh, digitally. Yeah. This is the director's cut. Yes, which I'm gonna I'm gonna take umbrage on two points. One, I can I love I love the idea that the director's just like, oh man, what a work of genius! They just they just didn't fully understand it. I better get back in there and I'll tweak it to where they'll fully understand the majesty of Lawnmower Man. So, <laughs> big ups for believing in yourself, there, Brett Leonard. <laughs> Secondly, I can't this stop movie laughing. is fucking two hours and like twenty five ish minutes. There was a point I was di- I was dying. I was up late because I had like friends over, or whatever. Right. <laughs> I'm dying of laughing, and uh, so I had friends over, and I'm like, I'll just watch both of our movies we're doing for the show late at night. I turned this one on, and I remember looking at my phone, and I I just fucking paused the movie. I'm like, it's fucking 45 minutes until act two starts because <laughs> let's be real act two starts once he you know starts the gene therapy or whatever yeah yeah that's like 45 minutes to set up the world of the lawnmower man before we start the fucking movie yeah and then this is the other thing when it hits this kind of like oh no everything's falling apart this is gonna wrap up in like one showdown yeah i paused it there was a whole nother hour and 10 minutes to go and i was like this is when Job's like, I'm fully the lawnmower man now. I've taken the rage serum overdose. I was like, there's another one hour to this movie. 
I, I thought this. There is as soon as he levitated the chair and started doing like fucked up things in the room. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. This has got to be like this is the denouement. Like we're gonna get to the end, and he's gonna like. Yeah, Algernon. you're like we're almost there. No, I was you're like, not. I was like, he's gonna Algernon himself at some point here, right? And then all of a sudden, like, yeah, I paused it too. I was like. Oh my God! There's 40 minutes left of this fucking movie. What else could possibly be explained in 40 minutes? Brett yeah. Leonard, what are you doing? It's it, it is such a ballsy decision to be like I'm essentially making like a borderline kind of like straight to VHS niche pick, right? Like yeah. some nerds that are into sci-fi, whatever, they'll find this. But you're like, I need to give them 45 minutes of world building. This is the Lawrence of Arabia. Of simpletons turned into internet experiments. I just, I just have to know, like, I this, really okay. This is for our listeners, though. This is, I think, even longer than the house that Jack built. Uh, That's insane. Yeah. Watch these two movies. It's either the exact same amount of time, <laughs> or this is a, like maybe four minutes longer. Like, I- it's stunning. <laughs> it's the most okay. And this is the thing. I'm going to be upfront. I actually really enjoy this movie. I truly, there is so much weirdness in this movie that I love, and I still love to this day. But I do think the most stunning fact of it, besides the fact that someone's like, I can really art this up and get back into everyone's good graces, two hours and 20 minutes. Insane. Insane. I mean, I really, I think what's impressive is just like the artistic gall of Brett Leonard to go, man. I don't think what was put out in theaters was enough. It didn't really explain the lawnmower man the way I intended it. I need to make sure people see my cut. Like it's well, like yeah. th- this is like this is like the touch of e- this is like the touch of evil of the nineties. Like there's like people are looking- it's like lawnmower man, Brazil, and Blade Runner fighting back and forth for who can have the most different. Who's editions. got the most cuts? Like God damn, what is going on? No, but this is the thing. I'm like, especially it's such a weird setup for this movie because half of it looks like made for TV movie. Uh, there's a very small scary segment that looks like the exact set for set porno version of a movie. Oh, yeah. Um, it's it's strange, but to, the thing I also took away from this is that Job Smith might be the most tragic character in a movie. Like, he might be tied with John Coffey for most tragic figure in a film. Because I think, I think you can make a pretty good argument that he gets raped by at least two characters. Mm-hmm. Pierce Brosnan is feels like he's going to rape him at one point, but then just <laughs> sciences him up, right? Still right. penetrates him in a way. Well, um, he gets beat up by gas station Leon the professional. <laughs> it's like it is like a never ending on, and the only guy who's nice to him is constantly driving while drunk with him in the car. Yeah, not even the priest is nice to him. Like, what the fuck is going on in this movie? Like, there's things that I don't understand. Why everyone is so shitty to Job? Like, I'll never get it. Like, at the beginning of the movie, doesn't he gets? Uh, it's the guy. It's the drunk guy who like, or no, it's the priest who beats the shit out of him, right? Yeah, we'll get into that. We're gonna we're gonna dive in, but I will say that I mean I don't think I've seen an entire town systematically abuse someone this much since the Wicker Man. You know what I mean? Like, but at least they, at least in the Wicker Man, they have the mercy of lighting him on fire so he dies. Job seemingly, if this, let's say the events of this movie don't take place, Job is just going to keep existing, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like no. He's just going to live in this perpetual cycle of abuse and yeah. rape and molestation and fucking poor, I mean, poor simple yeah. Job is just dealing like he's been dealt the worst cards. Like, no, I mean, the best mercy that you can imagine coming to Job is that drunk Tony's going to go head on with someone else and it'll just be over mercifully. <laughs> That's yeah. the best end that could have happened for this character. Short of what we watched. Um, I guess I guess there could have been a better because it reminds me this feels like it could have been. Uh, remember they did the prequel to Dumb and Dumber. This is a better prequel to Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> That's true. He does have <laughs> he does have fucking Jeff Daniels hair the entire movie. He looks exactly like young porno version of Jeff Daniels. <laughs> yes, specifically porno version because this movie is really shot like a TV movie, man. Like I gotta tell you, like that is the thing that's most jarring to me is like everything. From the lighting to, like, everything else going on in this movie. Particularly, uh, like, there's camera choices. Like, later on, I'll get I'll get to that later. But there's one camera choice where I'm like, that is straight out of a fucking soap opera. Like, I cannot believe we're doing this. But, right. you know. Yeah. All right. So let's, let's dive in now that we've aired our grievances. <laughs> now that we've had the Festivus airing of grievances. <laughs> yeah. We're All right. So the movie starts off with this kind of text card which you know i'm a sucker for a low dose and it essentially boils down to is that is vr going to be this kind of new paradise for mankind or is it a form of mass mind control right oh oh, you're talking about the second title card because the first one explains that there's several (laughs) jump cuts in the movie which i did not notice (laughs) yeah they're like all right this is the director's cut it might suck a little balls we kind of had to sweep up the celluloid off the uh, the old dustbin floor uh, yes, the, so the second title card, when we start the actual uh, <laughs> Brett Leonard joint. Right, right. Brett, Brett, Brett Leonard joint starts with the second title, with that title Right, card and it's, it's the same kind of debate we are still having with the internet, right? And what we do, we actually start the movie off, not with us, but this is a very artistic choice. We're going the 2001 route. Us, <laughs> as seen through the lens of Chimpanzee. Yes. So we start off with a Chimpanzee Halo tournament, right? So he's in there blasting, guys. Then the chimp's freaking the fuck out in his cage. Right. Has a meltdown and decides he's going to escape, right? We learn that he's some kind of government project. They're testing him to be... Jailbreak. You know, kind of a military asset. Yeah, so he he decides he's going to go jailbreak, right? Right. And this enters into... This is where we're going full art house, right? So this is where you see the director flexing nuts. This is chimp cam. Yeah. And it's... (laughs) I mean, whoever whoever was the director of photography for this movie deserves a fucking award, man. Because, like, having to squat down like that and shoot, like, basically from the perspective of a chimp running up to a sleeping security guard and pulling the gun from his holster. <laughs> that guy deserves a fucking medal, as far as I'm concerned. Like, there's some... There's some serious technique going on in this in that portion of this movie. You you laugh, but I actually I wrote down I was like, this is metal as fuck. <laughs> I'm, ki- is, I'm not kidding. That guy I deserves like a fucking opening. metal. I like the opening of we're following little Robocop chimp, right? And I yes. love the fucking mask the chimp wears. Oh my he's like, god. Because he looks like this kind of nice, like affable chimp, right? right? And then all of a sudden the visor shuts and you're like, oh dude, we're going John John Chimp now. Yeah. John Wick Chimp. John Chimp. <laughs> Yeah, and he fucking steals that dude's gun, blows him away, and escapes, right? Right. This is where we cut to, we meet Job. Right. So Job comes out, and this is where it looks exactly like those PBS movies, right? Like, I I remember, what was the one we had to watch in school as a kid? It was the, the Ryan White story, right? 
That was the first big, like, made-for-TV movie we had to watch because Ryan White was a big story. AIDS was very scary. And that happened not more than an hour from where I lived, right? In Kokomo, right. Indiana. Right. And so I remember being like, oh, this is like a movie, but just way shittier. <laughs> well, even the music was like, eh, like, it's that same, like, it's that same score from, like, you know, stashed after-school specials. Like the yes, like, and like the birds chirping and shit like that, and again, like Jeff Fahey walks out as Simple Job, and he's just looking up and like, oh, I'll look at the tree. Yeah, he's just he's he, like, he borrowed his brother's overalls, and he's just having a great day. And he's just living clothes. his best life. And all of a sudden, he just walks outside and just magically has strawberries. He's like, hey, come here, little guy in the woods. All of a sudden, Cyber Chimp jumps down. You're expecting mayhem. But then all of a sudden, it zooms in on his eye with his little technology <laughs> window, and he's like, <laughs> No threat in the pupil. I can use this simpleton to my advantage. Yeah, simple. So even, even the chimpanzee realizes that Job is a perfect mark. Right. <laughs> like every other person in the movie. So now they're doing a stash up in this Unabomber shed where Job has to live sadly. And he's been shot in the hip, right? So the monkey's injured. The chimp's injured. Right. And this is where we meet Pierce Brosnan, who plays a scientist. Maybe the most, obviously, this is the biggest attempt at sexy scientist I've ever seen since the Marvel Universe. Yeah, it's it's Pierce Brosnan as a, uh, like, Remington steel hair with, who's smoking in bed with a fucking uh, earring. Like, they really want him to and be, like, constantly, the hottest And constantly, he always dude. looks like a beach bum and then leather jacket guy. He just always looks very sweaty to me. Like, there's just no yes. time in this movie I'm like, this guy is... <laughs> Not like this guy's not like doing reps right before he gets on camera. He's just a little bit sweaty. <laughs> well, it's so weird because I don't know why, but every time he does one of his uh, little like live journals or whatever <laughs> on his computer, <laughs> they always I wrote. I, I couldn't believe I was trying to keep tally of this. I think there's almost 10 shirtless scientist shots in this. And you're like, just imagine like classic, yeah, like honey, I, I mean, shrunk the kids if Rick Moranis has to do 10 shirtless stand ups. You're like, what well, is when you happening got Pier- in this movie? When you got Pierce Brosnan and you have that like really nice chest hair, you know, like you you want yes. feature Brett Leonard. That's probably some of the stuff that got added back in is the chest hair sequences. <laughs> that's There's probably not enough topless Pierce. There's not enough topless 007. What do we do? Not only that, this movie is for the ladies. I oh, mean, yeah. there are tons. And then not only is Pierce constantly shirtless, then we got to go Simple Jack constantly yeah. Pierce, like shirtless. Yeah, Jeff simple- Fahey, that's how we know that th- once he's that's intelligent. That's how we know he's getting and- smart because he starts yeah. taking his shirt off. Well, exactly. Once we know that he's intelligent enough uh, that it might not be a crime, right? Yeah. Like once he's intelligent enough to quote unquote consent, Right. Then we just straight up turn him into a sex object. Right, right. It starts when it's like really it starts <laughs> it starts when he's like mowing the mowing that lady Marnie's lawn and he's just yeah. out there and you're like, "Oh, he definitely did push-ups right before they shot this." Cuz he's got yes. like just like the the ebbing biceps and then he looks up and he goes in and fucking bones <laughs> bones the widow, but like, <laughs> like damn, dude. This movie no, so- is insane. Right, so we have we have super sexy scientist guy. He's trying to call him out of the Unabomber shed. They come out, and this is one of my other favorite moments in the movie. So the cyber ape senses danger. He jumps up on the shed in this kind of King Kong's throwback moment. And then he has to get shot. Yeah. 
maybe 100 times. There are about 25 officers that just fucking unload on this chimp. Is this kind of simpleton guy just wails in agony, right? He's so sad. Yeah. And this leads to our introduction to the priest, right? Probably the scummiest character in the movie. Terrible. So the priest not only takes a payoff to not talk about the monkey, but then insists that uh, Job was very sinful in his actions. Yeah. Um, proceeds to beats the beat fucking him. shit out of him. <laughs> yes. And also, this is where we learn Job became a ward of this church yeah. since he was five years old. So that is just a backstory that kind of spins out of control in your mind if you take a little extra to think about it. Oh, yeah. Um, what this guy's been doing to Job since he was five. Imagine. And the weird thing in the movie is that Job is still played is this kind of wildly optimistic and upbeat kind of marker in this world of yeah. scumbags. Well, when he starts, he's like, he's the most, he's so happy, he's happy-go-lucky, he's whistling with the birds. Like, that's how the whole thing begins. And that's like the sad part too. Like <laughs> as soon as he starts getting smarter, it's like he starts seeing the world for what it is. I'm like, oh, simple Job. Go back to being simple, man. This is terrible. Yeah. You don't you don't want the rose colored glasses lifted, my friend. Yeah, just stay simple, my friend. <laughs> simple is bliss. No, but I mean, imagine there's a version of this movie before that monkey gets shot five hundred times where it's just Cyberman and the lawnmower man. It's like this awesome buddy comedy and they're just like living in that shack. The hijinks of a cybernetic uh, murder ape and a you know simple lawnmower man. How are they going to make it work? That could have been the movie we saw. But no, we're spiraled into tragedy of fucking brutal animal murder and molestation. <laughs> <laughs> it, it It's a very rough start yeah. for poor Job. <laughs> this is like if Lenny survived of Mice and Men, but uh, the other guy didn't. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a lot of that going on. There's a lot of like parallels between movies about just like simple men who are put in situations that uh, like i went on i i went on uh, wikipedia to just read through and uh the way they describe him is job a man with an intellectual disability i'm like is that how we're saying that now like we're just like you could have just said simple man but i was like intellectual disability is a strange way to put that because to me intellect does not describe intelligence but that's a weird point really not part of this but regardless strange sure whatever nerd <laughs> bad tangent anyways back to the movie uh <laughs> yeah it's a so this is our genesis of tragedy right yeah then we go to maybe the second most tragic character in the film uh pierce brosnan's wife in this movie <laughs> i feel nothing but sad for this lady oh yeah she's neglected Hardcore. Yeah, well, she comes down in the basement. And you get the strong sense. She's like, she opens the CD-ROM, right? Turns this thing off, and she's like, flying. Yeah, right. She assumes that every time he's in that basement, he's virtually fucking. <laughs> 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 she, when she sees flying written on there, right? That's how, like, when I was a kid, I remember the only kind of pornography I was ever able to find was like very rare, right? Like something like Ninja Scroll that have a titty pop out, and you'd be right, like, right. oh, fuck, right? Or Wild Things. And I used to hide them in my mom's Disney VHSs. Yeah. But like the shitty ones, right? Like Aristocats that no one is ever going to want to watch more than once in their right, lives. Right, And so like if you opened Aristocrats, my mom would be like, hey, what's this fucking Ninja Scroll tape that has a very thin segment of film? <laughs> <laughs> 
That's what Pierce Brosnan's wife is assuming every time she sees yeah. him down in this. Like the 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 disc say that says flying is essentially the digital equivalent of like business papers on your desktop. <laughs> tax documents. Tax documents. For my eyes only, tax documents. <laughs> oh, no, uh, I just she, give, this, just give okay, away my so desktop. Let's just go through this lady, right? Yeah. So not only does Pierce never do anything with her. Then she comes home, and not only is he doing VR, but she realizes he's experimenting now on the town simpleton, their lawnmower guy, who right. now, this is the other thing they never address. While he's doing that, and he starts getting sicker and sicker, no one is tending to these lawns at no. all anymore. Big this problem. Is not okay for up-class. I got to tell you, I, that's a big issue, I think, that there's, there's, some prob- there's some problems with the town. Is everybody else doing their lawn work? Is there another yeah. company? Maybe they're, they're putting getting... so much stuff in the the thing that falls out is the lawnmower. Ooh, do you think man. another reason the priest uh, beats Simple Jeff is because uh, maybe maybe he uh, gets the lawnmower money? Maybe he's got a whole griff going. Well, that's how. Well, he no, he says he says he has to pay rent for the shack. Right. So maybe that's so how... whatever whatever that drunk is paying Job. Right. I'm assuming he just pays it directly back. The only thing he has in that shack that doesn't look like it was just hoarded from a dumpster um, <laughs> is his comic books. Yeah. God. <laughs> Which, I mean, back then, those were a nickel, a quarter. Like, he would have been fine. Yeah. God bless him. He probably could have sold one of them and get, gotten out of that hell, hell, hell hole. Right. So th- this is the world that we're, we're setting up, though, right? Pierce Brosnan, sexy scientist, really mean to his wife. You can tell this is one of those. Pierce has probably had an enormous amount of affairs this is a very bad marriage, right? Here's my contention, though. All of this that we just discussed is 45 minutes of the movie. Yeah, sorry. Let's point that out. We haven't even gotten into. We haven't even gotten to the inciting incident of the film yet that actually causes the lawnmower man. Literally, yeah, so this is essentially happening. where we jump. Right, this is where Act Two starts. It's 45 minutes into the goddamn movie. Is Pierce Brosnan is on hiatus because of you know the murderous Robo Chimp. Yep. And he just sits in his uh, garage or basement, wherever, just chain smoking, drinking, shirtless and sweaty. And he's like, oh, if only I had a human. And he looks up and sees the poor lawnmower man. Right. And this fucking guy, this scumbag of a scientist is like, oh, yeah, I'll just completely fucking ruin this guy's life. And this is this is where the part where I was like, this guy really is just so fucking sad. <laughs> Like, I really, this is the part where it solidified to me. You think the priest relationship would have done it, but the Pierce Brosnan thing struck me as as far more of a betrayal. 100%. Uh, Oh, my God. It just bothered me so much that he's just like, yeah, I'll just gather this guy to my basement and just start injecting him. And and then he even does that. Well, if you were smarter, people couldn't take advantage of you. And it's like, bitch, that's what you're doing right now. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm like, why are you don't. Don't give away your scam, bro. Like, what's wrong with you? Don't tell the it's, guy that you're fucking with him. It's one of the oddest things that this movie does, right? Is that they constantly are putting characters in this position where we're supposed to think it's mildly okay that they treat Job this way because he is a burden in a way. <laughs> like, every character in this movie has these really ridiculous runarounds about why they treat this poor fucking guy the way they do. Right. And in the rest of them, you're like, okay, so Gas Station Leon is just a dick, right? He's a bully, whatever. Yeah. The priest has his own thing. Tony the drunk, you know, probably not a good caretaker, but he seems okay. 
Pierce Brosnan, though, actually assumes that he's going to make this guy's life better. And this gets into... this. Okay, so this basement scene is also extra creepy. This is the extra layer of vile that this scene adds, right? So they're playing the video game. After he gives him the shot, they yeah. crash land, right? Him and the little boy, Peter, are racing each other. Right. And they get out, and Job looks tremendously shaken to the core. Right. Right? He's like, that was bad. That yeah, was a really like, bad that crash. Was like, that was bad. Like, He's like, this might be the most... Trem- I mean, you're taking a guy who's like... well. Just kidding. He's actually seen some shit, right? Like, this guy has seen some life, right? Imagine this guy's been getting molested by a priest since he was five, and everyone else in the town is abusing him as well. Right. He comes out of that virtual reality experience shaken. That lets you know how dire this was for him. (laughs) (laughs) And the kid says a line that is just kind of a throwaway line. But this might be one of the more interesting moments in the movie to me is he kind of puts his hand on Job's shoulders, and he says, You'll get used to the games. Right. And I was like, holy shit. That sounded like two survivors of abuse talking to each other. I was like, there's a version of that basement that I don't know what exactly is happening. Oh, you think, uh, well, okay. Well, Well, and then he's like, oh, the doctor has the best games. Peter told him that kid has been in Pierce Brosnan's basement many times before. You wow. think that's just to play video games? If I'm a dad, in my fight, how old is that kid? Maybe 10, right? right. My 10-year-old's like, hey, I was in the smoking earring, leather jacket, shirtless, drinking scotch, talking to himself, scientist, basement, playing games. My first reaction is not, what was your high score? That's how I would phrase <laughs> it. Let's go to his house so I can beat the hell out of yeah. him. Yeah. He definitely- Show me on this virtual reality dummy what happened. <laughs> Yes, there's definitely some nefarious shit going on, especially with Pier- yeah, Pierce Brosnan. Wow, I didn't think about that. Pierce Brosnan definitely touched that kid. Oh, but that's it. It. So I don't fun. know that he did, but what I'm saying is, is that it becomes it's kind of a fun uh, visual representation to me of this is what Pierce does his whole life, right? Like that chimpanzee had a life and was normal, and Pierce just constantly taking people in. And just abusing the fuck out of them in another way, right? But he does it through this this more nefarious way, this this confidence game, which right. I, I think makes him a really fucking... Because by the end of the movie, they want us to turn around and be like, oh, we kind of are with this guy. But I think he is just such a fucking terrible movie villain. He's such a fucking scumbag. Because yeah. this is the other thing. If he didn't touch Peter or anything like that, and I don't think he touched, right? Like, his penetration is more through the drugs in the brain, right? The brain massages. Yes. The the unnatural brain massage, virtual reality touches and shit. Um, but when he has Peter in his basement to play those games, do you think he's not eyeing him up? Oh, for sure. It's like he's- when young Dr. Frankenstein's in the, the autopsy lab. Do you think he's not like, oh, if only I could sneak out a, two of these titties, you know, half a vagina and four <laughs> arms, I'd be in business. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> It's too tempting. It's too tempting for the predator. And Jeff or Pierce Brosnan's character in this movie, sexy doctor, is a predator. Yes, I think that's clear. He's he's definitely. I, I mean, maybe not a predator of like you know the way we're all associated with you know not necessarily a Chris Hansen predator, but <laughs> definitely a predator. Definitely uh, has predatory nature. Like to seek out Job and a child for experiments. That's 
a certain type of that's a certain type of sociopath as far as I'm concerned. Here's the line that nails it home to me. This guy is a fucking predator that way. Right. Because that's the whole point of his virtual reality. Right. Is that he's still violating Job in this personal reality. Job can't consent to any of this. Right. right. And then he calls the he calls the fucking church. He tells Job, he's like, we can do this, but only if you can keep a secret. And then he calls the church and says, hey, I'm going to keep Job lies to him. And he's like, oh, and of course, I'll be making a huge donation to the church. And I'm like, holy fuck, this guy is exactly a kid wow. to, like, to yeah. catch a predator. So keeping kids in his basement, lying to the clergy. Man. All right, never mind. This guy's checking a lot of boxes oh, I didn't see that, before. Cl- that clergy guy probably ran back in his fucking highly decorative pajamas or whatever clergymen go to bed in and just had at himself. <laughs> flogged himself thinking about the abuse that Job was meeting. That guy's even... They're both bad. But Pierce Brosnan lies to himself. I think the priest uses the the priesthood as a, a ruse, but he knows he's a piece of shit. Right. And right. even by the end of the movie, Pierce Brosnan has no arc. He does not... He doesn't learn... In a any le- way, seem upset about what he did. No, he doesn't learn a lesson. If anything, he... If anything, no. he ends the movie still trying to control Job, and I'm like, dude, give it a rest, man. Just yeah, knock it, it off. Well, because I mean, the last thing we see right after this whole journey of the lawnmower man and how bad it's gone, the last thing we see is Pierce Brosnan like, I won't like, I won't let Job die in vain. I'm gonna take my science underground. And right. It's like, no, take your science and shove it up your ass. You're <laughs> nothing but trouble. <laughs> Like, you may have already caused, like, the last shot makes us think he might have already caused the downfall of the entire species, as it were. Oh, yeah. But it's, he's still sitting there lying to himself. He's just like, oh, well, now I, now I tell my lies to the audio recorder wearing a shirt instead of, you know, shirtless and sweaty, so I'm better. It's like, you're still the worst. You haven't learned a thing. He's the worst movie villain. And then that late, that now widowed lady and her kid, you know, he's just going to pick them up and they're along for the journey. Oh, yeah. They're definitely about to become the next experiment. They're, they're about they're... to collect abusive father number two. <laughs> <laughs> they're definitely they're definitely beyond cyberspace. Uh, there is just so much of this movie that <laughs> aesthetically it's very like once they get back, once they get into like the lab stuff, like this is the thing that I'm not fully. This is like the 90s thing was technology has to be weird looking and huge like that's the thing that yeah. sort of changed and really kind of interesting is like the minimalism <laughs> going into the 2000s because like the vr technology of the lawnmower man world is essentially like a carnival ride but it's like a carnival ride uh like <laughs> the gyro ball yeah like it's a carnival ride and you have to put on a suit made of lights like that of uh, but like of string lights and it's not like uh Christmas lights. It's like those little crackers that like glow uh, neon that you get like uh, when you go to like a like a light show. That's essentially what that's essentially what the technology of the lawnmower man VR system. Yeah. Is. When I, you see his glow sticks come, you know he's about to rage, not rave. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. He's <laughs> like, there's so much. <laughs> it's just one of those things that I'm like. I I like the gyro room though. I think it's a really cool set. Yeah, I mean, between all the things we've been watching, like, I am noticing so much more about, like, the... So so much more about, like, the technology that we thought was going to be the thing that ended up not being anything at all. 
like that <laughs> like mainly it's been like harness wear like stuff like you have to wear it and you have to like be fitted inside this giant thing that looks like a roller coaster never came to fruition like all of our precepts yeah. of what technology would be later on in the 20th century never came up like yeah now it's it. just phones with like giant hello kitty cases and shit it's very <laughs> anticlimactic yeah, it's i actually like i actually much prefer the, the lawnmower man i wish i had that ball somewhere in here yeah it makes ready me player sad, one's actually. kind of the only thing right that that is kind of like this ready player one still goes along those lines yeah ready player one still has like a lot of stuff a gyro suit and all that yeah, shit. yeah yeah <laughs> Um, okay, so once Job is on his path to intelligence, now he's able to consent, and now we're going to make him fuck. This is the next <laughs> scene. We get the Lolita shot, right? Right. So this is the porn. The ma'am looks up. We're going to go through this whole journey of their relationship right now, because this is one of the weirder parts of this movie for sure. Right. So so we get the porno shot where she's like, hmm, a beefcake. Perhaps I'll fuck. Right? <laughs> We kind of cut past that. The next thing we see is, I can't remember if this is where we take the interlude for psychic powers or not. I think it might be. He's hearing voices. Anywho. Yeah. Well, that's like how it starts. He's mon mowing no, and he hears her voice. Yeah, my favorite, this is my favorite moment of the seduction sequence, right? Is So she pulls into the gas station and asks uh, gas station Leon to check her fluids, right? Very suggestive line right she looks in her rearview mirror and just sees this perfect cowboy butt <laughs> we turn around and realize now that this is job right job just went to the mat to fight the priest about dressing like a cowboy right and now we see why because now he's got the cowboy booty and this lady's like ready to hit on him right right and so <laughs> i just love this was a great one because amy walked into the room when i was watching this and she sees job dressed as the cowboy and the lady hitting on him, she goes, is Michael Keaton the lawnmower man? <laughs> and I was like, that might be the worst. Is that this actor of all time? I really hope. Is Jeff that... Fahey, who looks like Jeff Daniels from Dumb and Dumber, <laughs> Michael Keaton? My hope is that that was uh, originally, I hope that was what was brought back from the director's, for the director's cut. I hope that was a line brought back. The booty the shot? He's no, like, I just don't that buy in particular. <laughs> He's like, that... the audience doesn't want to fuck Job enough. We need to sex him up. Also <laughs> compare him to Michael Keaton. Of course. Yeah. I mean, that never goes wrong. He was at the height of his Mr. Mom, kind of like dad jeans. Powers. Oh, no. By 92, he was Batman. Yeah. Yeah. He but was. That, yeah. But like, if you look at Michael Keaton's movies at the time, like Dream Team and Mr. Mom, he's kind of got the, the, the giant basketball shoe, like, dad jean thing going that was popular at the time. And all of our moms were into him for that reason. Anywho. <laughs> that wasn't uh, then. Before I jump to the fucking, yeah. I forgot about another thing they do in this sequence that I thought was such an odd directorial choice. I know. There's a lot of them in this movie, but bear with me. I don't know what you're so talking about. Before, I needed to know these things. Yeah, when... Lawnmower Man is fashioning himself in the mirror the way the cowboys look, right? Right. This is kind of the first time. Now he's intelligent enough to kind of be aware of his own self-image and take a little pride in himself. Right. He's trying to, like, imagine, like, how am I going to rebuild myself, right? The doctor's giving me these 
very immoral uh, and illegal brain massages. He's remolding that part of me. What can I do to sculpt this thing? How can I add some Job Stank onto my new persona, right? <laughs> and the priest comes in and he's like, oh, the devil boy, get over here, I'll whip ya. And Job catches his hand and he's like, you not be hitting people. Don't be hitting me. I'm a man now. I'm a cowboy man. I won't be hit. Or whatever the fuck he says. That's not actual dialogue. Sorry. Um, Can we just say but there's this, I'm a there's this moment. Man. Yeah. I mean, it's about the exact same dialogue. It's fine. There's this look of fucking terror in the priest's eyes, right? And to me, I read this as, oh, shit. The priest knows the game's up. Right. Like He's not coming back here for his little whipping boy and uh, victim anymore. Job's standing up for himself. Right. Job, but then... That kind of really nice moment of monster having a moment of self-realization is immediately washed away because Job turns around and sees his distorted reflection in a piece of sheet metal. And I was like, is the director trying to tell us that Job is the monster because he stopped the priest from abusing and raping him again? And then I was like, well, that can't be. That's probably like one of those weird, like, should have thought that through and didn't, right? Cut to the next scene. So Job has now been bootified by Lolita. Right. right? The town, uh, the town, uh, honeypot. <laughs> Gas station Leon sees this and is furious. And the drunk's like, oh, she wants to ride his born. He's like freaking out. And Leon's like, don't you dare call her a whore in front of me. <laughs> this is one of my best lines. Oh, she's not a whore. Whores do it for money. She's got the money. She does it because she likes it. And Leon's response is, I'm going to go over and just fucking punch the lawnmower man in the face because he tries to stand up for his drunk friend, right? And Job whips around with this fucking carry look. And gas station Leon takes a step back. He's like, you know, the vapors. Like, how dare you look at me that way? And again, I was like, are you telling me that Job, who was just accosted for trying to be a good guy, is the monster to this bully? (laughs) It's a sequence they run in this movie constantly of him doing something to just assert his own personhood and not be victimized. Yeah. And then they immediately give him the, look, Job's becoming a monster shot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like, that's the weird thing about the whole endeavor in general is, like, Job cannot be the bad guy in this movie because that's the thing that bugs me that's honestly the thing that bugs me the most is like the deeper we get into the movie everyone's like oh job's going off the rails i'm like you guys abuse the shit out of the simple man for years and all of a sudden it's like oh he's got a modicum of intelligence so he's got to be vilified like no 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 no. yeah townsfolk fuck you you all deserve every ounce of this so he stands up to his his uh abusers and oh look at what a monster he's becoming (laughs) He essentially tells Pierce Brosnan to fuck off, and you're like, oh, yeah, Pierce, who's like, hmm, I almost gave him brain seizures, but I'll be cool. I'll, I'll watch it. It's fine. Like, that guy? We're supposed to think that Job is a monster because that guy who just keeps fucking injecting him with that giant insulin gun and whatever the fuck? I was like, I don't feel bad for anyone that gets got in this movie by Job for the most part. No. I actually... I mean, is there an innocent... I mean, I guess you could say that the security guards... But also, it's like, you saw what happened to RoboChimp, and you guys put 800 bullets in him, so yeah. I think you're bad guys, too. <laughs> I, I Yeah, I don't feel bad for anybody. If anything, I feel like this should have ended like that Twilight Zone episode where the kid, uh, the kid's like, uh, they're in his dream or whatever, so he's able to yeah. warp reality to, as he sees fit. Like, that's how the Lawnmower Man should have ended, is he's like, don't have a go to that town. 
that town's governed by Job. And then you could have that nice <laughs> biblical allegory and all that shit. Well, like, that's I mean, how this should have gone down. This movie is so strange to me in a way because it's such an amalgam of a couple different very prominent movies. Because to me, obviously, like, you have the flower for Algernon Roots, but the story doesn't really track for me, right? No. Because Al- Algernon's kind of this beautiful, I've gained enough intelligence to now realize that eventually I will lose intelligence. Right. In that tragedy, right? Like, right. I won't even remember any of this. It's kind of the life cycle, right? Like, I was young, and then now I'm old enough to realize that I didn't appreciate my youth enough, and now I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this one is is more vulgar and vile at times. And the thing that, because that's, a, to me, this movie, the best version of this movie plays like, because it's part Carrie. Right. It's part Hellraiser. Like, it just takes a hard Hellraiser turn near the end. Yeah. Um. I don't know exactly, because that's the other thing. We were laughing about this beforehand. I actually have the book with the the Stephen King short story, mm-hmm. and it's it's like Carrie meets Christine, right? It's just this lawnmower man who can use his lawnmower to mow people down that he hates, right? He right, can kill right. you with a lawnmower. Yeah, no, this is uh, very different. And actually, <laughs> Stephen King sued the production because they tried marketing it as like, New Line tried marketing it as Stephen King's The Lawnmower Man, and he sued because it was <laughs> not even close. Yeah. The reason they named it that is because they owned the rights to the story at the time, and this yeah. script came from an original movie, an original script called Cyber God. And yeah, they're like, oh, Lawnmower Man, because apparently, you know, Joe, some some executive just like flipped his desk in rage, like we haven't had a hit in three years, <laughs> and those two just landed face up, and he's like, dear God, I've saved New Line Cinema. <laughs> Let's see if it was New Line. It was like, God damn it, we haven't had a hit since Suburban Commando. What the fuck are we gonna do? <laughs> Flips the desk. Now, uh, what are we gonna do between Freddy Krueger movies? <laughs> I love New Line Cinema. They I do too. They're movies. great. I'm not Lord of the Rings, man. That, hey, not men to hate, but '90s were hard for everyone. He's like, oh, sir, I got this one. Cyber God. Oh, that's a terrible title. <laughs> we also have this Stephen King's The Lawnmower Man. Stephen King. That could yeah. work. Name it. But this is actually, yeah, this is the phase where we get into the Carrie stuff, right? Which is, so he actually ends up getting laid. Yeah. Like, a full-on porno fuck scene. It's not, like, fully graphic. It's kind of like a softcore HBO thing, right? But you, yeah. you see some stuff. It's Skinamax. And this is the weird part, too, is uh, his boss just goading him into going to fuck that lady, not knowing that he's fully intelligent now. Right, right. Right? All he knows is that, Job is just taking his shirt off more, presumably. <laughs> this is but the- he doesn't know of the experiment. So his boss kind of goading him into going upstairs with this lady. And this lady knowing that this is the lawnmower man. Like, everyone in town kind of knows who this guy is. Right, right. The two of them conspiring to do what they did to him. Um, up. I think it's illegal. I think it's pretty <laughs> fucking illegal. I know there are actually court cases. I, I Googled this once. Don't ask me why, but I was Googling this. Lawnmower and there, man. There's a no. There are actually very a lot of legal cases now about this uh consent with people who are um intellectually certain, disabled. Yeah, who are at certain IQ points, I think is how they judge it, right? If you're like below a certain IQ, you can't actually consent. Never mind. Neither here nor there. Very unusual. And then we go into the bathroom and now we're doing telekinesis homes. So right, now right. we've got telekinesis, we've got voices. By the way, the the amount of powers that the lawnmower man accrues by the end of this movie. Pretty sweet. So, he, I mean, it's insane. By the end, he's like growing grass. He can kill people by turning them into dipping dots. Yeah. 
Uh, he can create digital bees. He can project a giant digital head of himself. <laughs> I mean, by the end, he's basically... I mean, this is another thing, too, is, like, I realized watching this movie, like, in the middle of it, I'm like, is this what they were trying to do with, uh, like, this is sort of, like, almost the same engineering as, like, that Transcendence movie with Johnny Depp? I'm like, yeah. there's a lot of that going on. This movie is, like, the grandfather of a lot of movies about, like, people who enter the web and don't leave, so to speak. Right. Like, well, I mean, this is the thing, right, is they're kind of running these dual... So it's obviously the Frankenstein bones. Right. But then they also had these really weird and kind of out of nowhere, super heavy religious a- allegory moments. Yes. Where it's like, we get it. His name is Job. I was going to say, there's uh, no mistake. The that gods are constantly Job. putting him to the abuse just because they can, right? And this kind right. of wager with the devil. <laughs> like, I, I get it. And then Job, you know, why have you forsaken me? Like, I get it. You know, it. There's some very strange moments in here with all this. Uh, one of my favorites, right, before we, like, get on to the the effects of the lawnmower, man, I love the the scene. This is, like, one of those amazing 90s moments before people understood technology where they're teaching Job's uh, got to slow down, right? This is Pierce Brown's thing. You got to temper this uh, accelerated learning with some wisdom. So you're right. going to slow down and learn everything, right? And Job's like, I did 100 hours of learning in two minutes. Ah, I'm learning all this stuff. And the way they show us that he's learning, instead of showing us his lessons, is throwing stacks of CD-ROMs onto the floor. So we come in and Job's just sitting there sweaty with 200 CDs on the floor. We're like, oh my God, that guy's smart as fuck. Again, you've got to wonder. He's so smart, he doesn't know how to stack CDs. I, I, I I can't stress enough. You have to wonder what the director's cut of this movie what it accomplishes and what they were thinking when they're like, man, we've got to get these two cuts together so that everyone can understand the breadth of this film. Because I agree, like there's stuff like that. And I'm like, and I remember watching like while I was watching, I'm like, why is this in here? Like, I get that he's extra intelligent. You don't have to re-explain it to me with the visual aid of CDs being strewn across the floor. Like, yeah, never. Also, if he's that smart, don't tell me the way that, you're going to try to express to me that he's super intelligent, that he learned Latin, an old dead language that no one speaks. <laughs> like, tell me he learned something interesting. Yeah. But th- this scene tell is Tell me he learned how CERN maybe... works. That would be yeah, impressive. Right. <laughs> uh, he solved all that Einstein shit. I'm too dumb to know what it is, but he did it. I just read about it. No, like, there's... Everyone in my house is screaming. Maybe the lawnmower man's here for us. Never mind. There's a... This scene, though, in microcosm is maybe the best example of this movie, I think, though. Because this is... Okay, so we're teaching him. He's throwing CDs on the floor, right? And so to me, it struck me, and Pierce comes in, and they had this talk. I think there's a really interesting idea in that moment, right? This idea of you're, you're doing it the wrong way, right? You're gathering your intelligence the wrong way. It's not the right. same. Pierce Brosnan feels threatened, right? You're right. not actually that smart. And Job's kind of like, dude, I know it all. And he does, a, he does that weird computer test where it looks like a multiple choice chest test, but every question just has one dot. <laughs> so it's like, how could he miss? Right. I don't know. But anyway, you're, there's this, this idea of, since he can just accrue the knowledge almost via implant, right? Matrix style. Right. Is that as good or the same or appreciated as much as knowledge earned? And so I was like, oh, this is okay. This is a pretty cool. It's a good beat. It is a good beat. Yeah, I was beat. like, this could be an interesting thing to explore. 
But instead, we just throw some CDs on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then then we go back to uh, kind of reality bleed and fucking, right? And this is where I know you took umbrage with this, too. This was the final straw of now I did all this book learning. He takes the kid to the restaurant and he's having that reality bleed, right? Between the virtual and the real world. And the kid's like, Job, don't you want to go see the comics? And he's like. I can't. No, I'm too smart. I know Latin. I can't read comics anymore. That's how we're supposed to know he's yeah. smart. He knows Latins and won't read a comic Another book. Another fucking Latins. thing like, oh, comic Latin. books are for dumb kids. I'm like, fuck you, dude. Like, fuck. It's a fucking 90s. Like, it's always the trope. Like, you know what's for dumb kids? The lawnmower man, Leonard. <laughs> Zip it. <laughs> yeah. Don't talk to me about intelligence, Brett Leonard. You're This is a two and a half hour director's cut of a movie that needs maybe 45 minutes of explanation. Total. Like as we approach more than that right now. Yeah. No, uh, but this is, this is where things start going wrong. This is where, yeah. So this is where it starts to landslide. Right. I, I love there's, there's some beats in this part that I really enjoy and I wish the movie would have focused more on. Right. Oh, is the cyber, the, lo- the cyber fucking that's by just like, that's tops for me. Now this is, this is fascinating to me. Because this is someone who you could argue molested him. Yeah. He brings her in there. And this, the way they showed the cyber fucking was just strange, right? Like our bodies melding and Into twisting. a dragonfly. What is going on? My my first two thoughts, I'll tell you this, as we sat there and watched the uh, X-rated reboot cartoon series, <laughs> is I was like, first off, do these suits have like uh, vibration sensors yeah. down by the special happy areas? Right. Is that like, that's and two, like some, if uh, they do, is some janitor just going to get there in the morning and be like, who fucking nutted all over the gyro <laughs> suits? I'm sick of cleaning this, you guys. That's my question. I'm like, are we in, is this ready player one territory where it's like a full like exo suit? And then, yeah, I'm like, where does it all go? Like that would suck. I thought the exact yeah, same thing watching that scene. <laughs> I was like, someone is going to get really pissed because there's like, shit all over the all over the gyroscopes or whatever yeah someone nutted on the gyro suit again every day <laughs> oh it's great janitor not jizz mopper who am i howard god the damn it quit dragonfly fucking goddamn like there's <laughs> one guy like that like th- that's the uh the, the guy who hires job that's his job he's the jizz mopper at the gyrospheres that's the guy who got the job at the big lab and he was looking down on job he's like ha i'm a higher echelon of simpleton than you <laughs> And now all of a sudden he's just reduced to this fucking jizz mopper role that he wants badly to quit, but he doesn't want to lose his lose his social stasis or show social status. Stasis is so much better. Yeah. No, Job is in social stasis. He's stuck. Right. You so, don't want to be the town fool, right? But this is where so this, this guy just keeps mopping jizz every day to avoid that <laughs> Job like life. But this is where things start going bad because like Marnie gets freaked out and he's like. She's like, come on, let's get out. He goes, no, which is really weird and uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. Has a really awkward sexual connotation to it. And then well, it- this is the first time that Job victimizes someone. Right. Because and she might have done it to him first, but now this is a manifestation of his version of that. Well, then she he pulls she he pulls her out of the gyrosphere. And then, like, the next thing you see is her just constantly laughing. Oh, well, no, because in the. The program he turned into that giant fucking right, monster. Yeah, was like, like the eating, big, like, presumably eating her brain, parts of her brain. Was that what that was? I could not tell. Well, he a... he attacked her avatar. Right, she got stuck in this sticky 
right. substance, right. right? Right. And then uh, the monster was lashing out at her violently. So oh. somehow that caused real life brain trauma I thought, that turned her into a just a laughing mannequin, as it were. I thought that it was like a giant. I thought he was like turning into like a giant like fuck monster, and that was like his giant fuck pe- his crazy like digital penis penetrating. I mean. Maybe he went in there. He took what he wanted against her will and left her a fucking wreck of a person. True. Okay. That, I mean, that works for me. But see, okay. But whatever, th- whatever it is, because this is the other thing too, is the virtual reality at times forces us to think about it in our world. But Job even says it's a different dimension, right? It's like our higher evolutionary dimension, right? Right. Right. If we evolve, we could go there with him. So you know, who knows what actually happened there but he definitely um took pieces of her that she never recovers so here was the thing that i was most this is the thing within that whole scene because this is this this is what i was talking about earlier this is the most soap opery thing i saw in the whole movie is uh so the lawnmower the next scene you see is like them at the, the, the house the lawnmower is going by itself which is cool. Yeah. yeah. And he's doing a really shitty job. too. Yeah. Doing a terrible job. But also you realize (laughs) I I appreciated Brett Leonard's touch here. I was like, there is a fuck ton of grass getting lawn mode. I'm like, Oh, I bet he hasn't done the lawn in like fucking deck, like fucking years at this point. That's next level shit. That's like, Stanley Kubrick detail. Like, Way to go, Brett Leonard. That's the detail I needed. I'm sure that was what was coming from the director's guys. Like, no one will know how much time's passed unless there's See, tons I take, of grass I take that. Out. I take that from Leonard. That wasn't Leonard. Leonard's like, I gotta shoot. I got six cuts of this movie. I need all kinds of extra footage. And some art director's like, you hold your horses. We are going to break our believability trust with the audience if we don't have very tall grass. <laughs> so some the, hero art director. But so you see this and this is like the most like TV movie shot ever is uh, it's a high shot above the grass and the lawnmower's going and basically mulching the whole thing. And then it pans Wait down. Wait a sec. Here we go. Chris Farmer, the art director. <laughs> Chris Farmer. Nice job. You Chris have say, bro. Way to save the cut. Way to save the shoot, bro. But I know. I really didn't want to fall out of that movie because I still had almost an hour and a half to go at that point. I'm really glad you saved me. <laughs> so we pan down, though, and it's just a shot of his, like, hand pulsing, like, controlling the lawnmower. And I'm like, that is the most TV okay. movie shot. I had to ask time. you something, too, because this is another thing. When he's in the chair, right, he floats the chair. He's got that, like, right? Professor X pimping thing yeah, going. Yeah, yeah. He levitates the chair. The next thing we see is, like, growths. In his hand. Yeah. What? And that kind of just goes away. Yeah. Like, that's what not explained or comes back to at all. I didn't understand that whole thing. That, that that entire sequence. I'm like, is he dreaming or is he manifesting that physically or what's going on? Yeah. Like, I was like, I did not understand are these new powers taking some kind of toll on him? Right. That's what it I just, thought. But then it well, never it comes like, back up. Into, yeah. It turns into three dots. Yeah. That's and I was like, is that important? I can't. <laughs> I didn't understand it. I didn't know why it was there. I was like, is he Brainiac? What's going on? Like, there's so much. Yeah. I didn't know. I thought it was going to come back. Like, I thought it was coming back in in the end. And like, oh, that's how we all should have known that he was Jesus or something. And it never, never came back up ever. Yeah. Lost. I mean, that was, you know, that's one of those things you're supposed to catch in the fourth cut for the director's cut. But, you know, it's me. Yeah. Brett. Well, no, this is the phase of the movie where he's going too far. We learned that the military, uh, middle, mi- the middleman, he pulled the least sneaky trick of all time, replacing the drug vials with a different colored drug. 
Oh yeah. And so now they've got oh, the guy, Joe the back guy from, on the, the hyper guy from the shop. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, the head from the shop is actually Dean Norris from Breaking Bad. Right. He's kind of this like 1984 style wall face. Right. And then there's that real kind of little weaselly middleman, right? Who, a- by the way, later in the movie might be sharing a hotel room with Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> Real comfortable when he walks into that fucking room with his key card. Anywho. But yeah, this is another cool part is where Job sits there. He pulls out and he's his brain might be frying at this point. He, he's hitting an overload point. Right. And he comes out and I love this part when he goes, I touched God. Oh, uh, yeah. Right. It's, it's this kind. And again, this is another one of those. They have some really cool kind of big picture ideas. That I feel like are never expounded upon, which is strange considering how fucking long this movie is. Yeah, I don't. Again, I'm not sure why this movie is two and a half hours long, other than like for B-roll, I guess. Because there are like there there are those beats that are really interesting, particularly that like that's something you spend like five minutes just dissecting a little bit in a movie. Well, it, okay, because yeah, you put all the effort into so he's he's lived with the naughty priest. His name is Job. There's a ton of the Job story built into these kind of, you know, story arcs. Right. So it's you obviously have something to say about the nature of religion. And then even late, right? The movie called Cyber God. Right. He talks later about how um, I will become Cyber Christ. Right. I love this part. Yeah. When he's like, you know. I will be born, and my birth will be heralded by all the phones. I will become a cyber Christ and bring us to the next phase. Um, so you build in all of these kind of cool religious concepts, but they it feels like they miss a lot of opportunities to kind of expand on them. I love the idea of, you know, him being created by this kind of godlike figure in Pierce Brosnan. Right. All right. Well, first he's created by a cruel human god. Right. Then he's remade by man as God. Then he thinks he sees another God in another dimension. Eventually now conflating himself with the son of God and then becomes a God. It's quite a a journey of metamorphosis, right? On this kind of God complex that he ends up having. Yeah. And it's just kind of always in the background. Like we don't really do a lot with him grappling with what he's becoming i feel other than the scene when he has pierce brosnan tied up in the basement that might be the only moment i mean that's really but that's all we get like i feel like by mercifully the 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 last half that's like third of this movie by that time that cool stuff and that like higher thinking higher like higher concept science fiction gets thrown to the wayside by like you know the CD-ROMs from the 1990s VR tech uh, CGI, like, because it gets it gets really bad really quickly. Like that's like the thing that I lamented so much was there are these really interesting and like thoughtful beats to have in a movie about sci like science and technology taking over a simple man's brain and turning him, tur- not just turning him loose on his uh, um, assaulters, but also like giving him the chance to explore another aspect of not just explore another aspect of his own intelligence, but explore another aspect of the world's growing intelligence overall. Like there's a lot of interesting social sociological concepts that get thrown to the wayside so that we can see, I don't know, digital Jeff Fahey yell at people. Like that's really kind of what's uncomfortable for me. Yeah. Well, even the concept of Pierce Brosnan, uh, 
taking advantage of this simpleton to experiment on him, only to realize that perhaps all of us humans are kind of simpletons, right? Right. Like that, as everyone sat there and judged the shit and mis- out of this guy and mistreated him, we're kind of all children just fumbling around. Yeah. And and this is the thing. I don't think Lawnmower Man is necessarily the the movie where you need to extrapolate on these a ton. No, and that's right? not what like, I'm I think saying. a good comparison, right, is Hellraiser. Hellraiser plays with a lot of these big questions in games. Right. But knows exactly what it's there to do. Right. I think the problem is, is that in the two hour and 20 minute director's cut of Lawnmower Man, uh, here we have Brett Leonard fumbling with, I have a lot more to say. I have a big picture you guys need to see. And I think there's an easier version of this movie that's a little more streamlined. Well, a fucking lot more streamlined that he could have told, right? right. Which is, you know, because that's because the next segment of the movie is by far my favorite segment of the movie. These, This is the revenge murder scene. Right, yeah. This part I fucking adore. Every one of these kills is fucking fantastic to me. Yeah. So this is where we get the Hellraiser 3 murder, where uh, Jeff Fahey's in the church like a, a false idol, right? No, it's true, because remember when, you know, like the priest holds up the, the crucifix to leather or pinhead and he melts it on his hand and he's like, I am your God now. Yeah. And, and Jeff Fahey's kind of playing this, right? And the priest comes out and he looks up, you know, at this new deity and he's scared. It's it's a good scene. And he just kind of goes, I don't want you here tonight, Job. And it's like, oh, you fucking creep. Don't double down on the, the molester thing. The other funniest part of that scene, by the way, except for the digital hellfire. Oh is, my uh, God. I love that the priest is like, I'm in big trouble here. What's my play? Oh, I'm going to try to repent for all those 55 <laughs> years of sins real quick and see if I can still sneak into heaven. <laughs> oh, man, that's the best Catholic thing of all. You just get away with it. You just say, yeah. oh, our father. Ter- oh. Terrible life of sin. <laughs> Deathbed. Wipe the slate clean. <laughs> <laughs> I love the digital fire, man. That was fucking hilarious. I thought that I mean, was. I mean, it, it has aged poorly, but it's still cool. It's a very noble attempt, man. Like, it's one of those things where I watch and I'm like, man, we just I mean, that to me is one of those things where I like someone on set was saying, can you imagine filming that and go and then like we're put in the fire later? Like, imagine having to film that and be like, God, this is so corny. Like, why can't we just set this guy on fire? Because if I was an effects guy, I'd be saying, I'm like, why don't we just set the guy on fire? What's wrong with that? Like, no, (laughs) no. Some FX union rep is just like, you fucking assholes. Yeah. No way. No way. There's some fucking teamster sitting in the back waiting in transpo area like, what? God damn it. Like, that's like, that's what I think. But I, I oddly respect the choice. I guess because it's like- I I love this fucking scene like yeah. unabashedly these next three scenes to me are all really good right I love them I think that's a good kill and I like that the fire is a little bit digitally yeah right like it hasn't aged properly it looks like the technology the time he's becoming techno Christ fun like that's the way it would look that's if he had real flames it, that's it doesn't not, bother that's not me as interesting. it doesn't bother me because of the theme of the movie like it's not yeah. an effect for effect's sake; it's an effect to go in line with the actual character. It works. Yeah, and this is pure catharsis because we want to see this priest get got. Yeah, for sure. And then we go to a uh, gas station, Leon. Right? Oh, this is my and favorite. This one, line. I'll say, this one's actually a a really funny scene to me for the reason of. So we get gas station Leon, who he's already. Well, first off, it's funny because we see the lawnmower man in kind of silhouette. 
the exorcist shot, right? Right. He just has the lawnmower by his side, like it's his faithful familiar in bed. <laughs> yeah, he's like, <laughs> which I fucking love. Like, That's hilarious. Like Sabrina in Salem. It's really nice, actually. Yeah, exactly. So, what we've seen throughout the movie is that the lawnmower man is really worried about uh, Leon smoking by the pumps, right? Right. So when he wraps him up and beats his ass with the gas pumps, you immediately assume he's going to unleash the gasoline and light him on fire. Right. And they don't do that, which I'm like, for a movie like Lawnmower Man to not do the exact beat you think they're setting up, I was like, oh, wow, what a nice uh, quinky dink, right? Right, <laughs> right. A, a, little, a little trickery on me. I like it. Right, right. I This scene I fucking love. When he uh, looks into job's eye and he sees the lawnmower man but his head is a man and his mouth is the mower right right i like it's transmitted through eyes in a way as if he almost can infect a human with a computer virus which is another power and he goes lawnmower man's in you now and he never stops mowing and the lawnmower man's just in there fucking mowing down brain mass yeah he's actually mowing brain mass you're like this guy's brain dead now like he'll slowly have to sit there and be tortured as he uh, is going to slip into less and less cognitive function. That's an awesome kill. Oh, no, it's good. It is my favorite kill in the whole movie. Like, that is my favorite scene in the entire film. I, it is. I agree. I think it's a great scene. And I do think it's a fucking blast. Like, <laughs> it's just, it, you know what it reminded me of? And I don't, like, for those of you who played Nintendo 64, it just reminds me of the last uh, Star Fox level when he's fighting. <laughs> When he's fighting Andros, like that's what it reminded me of. And I'm like, oh my god, I love this. This this is so great, big, right? Big here. face in the sky, yeah, with like, the FX chip. <laughs> like that's the shit. I'm like, God, dude, I fucking love this. Like that particular sequence was my favorite part of the movie for sure. That's so funny. That just made me think of. I remember when Star Fox was coming out for Super Nintendo and the big sell. Right, the thing that I told my mom, like this will sway her into buying it, was mom. It has VFX chip. <laughs> graphics and like i remember when Star Fox came out you're like oh my god and that's like about when this movie was probably coming out right, right which explains right. the look of it and then now you look back you're like oh god but at the time i remember my mind was just blown by vfx chip and so i told my mom that as if i knew what that was or my mom would know what that fucking was <laughs> that was my hard sell for christmas um i don't know if that's my favorite kill because the next scene is really cool too so this is where we go to Peter's house, where Peter's obvious. This is an abused child that earlier in the film, Pierce Brosnan, uh, just late night smoking, casually just watched this dad beating the shit out of his wife and kid. Right, right. And did nothing, right? Did nothing, of course, because he's a piece of shit guy. He's a terrible person. Job's going to do something, right? So dad has just whooped Peter and the mom, presumably. They're crying in the bathroom. Job puts them to sleep, another power. Oh, uh, yes. The fucking beer-guzzling pro-wrestling dad. Here's a sound in fucking big red burst through the door and just starts mowing up the living room trying to get to this guy. Big red. He bolts out the back door and big red fucking ramps off the back porch right as he turns, presumably to just mow his entire fucking face off. I was like, that scene is awesome. And Job's just watching through the door, right? Right, right. Techno Christ. Pinhead. Carrie. All the greats. He's he's up there with all the greats in that one moment. I loved it. I thought that was cool. And then it actually follows in this beat with what is also maybe one of the scarier moments in the movie, 
Which is when Pierce Brosnan gets back and realizes all these murders have happened, right? As right. he escaped D.C. He goes to his house, and his wife is now this Stepford wife. I've been baking for you all day, honey. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, that is so Job, creepy as shit. Yeah. Job is creeped into his house and is using his VR. His, and this is the thing they I don't understand. Does Job saying is he doing that as a kindness to Pierce Brosnan? No, I think, or is that his version of what he wants her to be? So he's taking Pierce's wife. I think it's, it's a very strange, unsettling sequence. I think it's the perversion. I think he because he can see inside Pierce's brain, like he can see inside Pierce Brosnan's uh, thoughts. So he yeah. knows that Pierce Brosnan is in his basement all the time playing, you know, uh, fucking on CD-ROM without his wife. And his wife's being neglected. So I think it's like the taunt almost. I love that. Like, that's what how I took it when I was watching. It was like, this is like the yeah. taunt. I loved it. Like, this is how he wi- – Pierce – he feels like Pierce is wishing his wife was through his mistreatment of her. I, f- I know. I think that the, um, he's like, hey – this is what you could have, but you're a fucking asshole and leave her alone all the time. So, oh, see, I think they present her as kind of a an off-putting version of a wife in that moment. Well, no, I think that's what it's supposed to be. Is like it's supposed to be this creep. It's not supposed to be like, oh, I want that. It's more like, hey, like, finally she stopped yapping and started baking. <laughs> <laughs> this is not the 1950s lawnmower man where he has like that little push two blade. <laughs> If Archie Bunker became Cyber Christ, that would be perfectly. Oh, fuck, dude. Now I want to see this movie remade for like the 1940s. Oh, God. <laughs> That'd be so I'm good. the lawnmower man, eh? Yeah, lawnmower man. <laughs> I feel like it'd just be a lot more racist. Like the lawnmower man becomes one with a uh, newspaper printer. <laughs> it just like is really racist. That'd be the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. No, uh, but it's at, like we saw him erase like the dipshit cops memory in the scene before, but they feel like they're dipshit cops anyways. Yeah. This is a really scary rewriting a person. He rewrites her in the way that Pierce Brosnan writes him. Yes. I thought it was very unsettling. And then turning her into his own assassin, making her be the one who gets mowed down, knowing full well, he can just turn into the, the giant Oz head and take those agents out. Yeah. It's very sadistic, uh, sadistic, fucked up. Uh, decisions from Joe, yeah. who's down in the basement proclaiming, I will now be a cyber Christ and lead us to this utopian new dimension. Right. Right. To be saying that and doing what he's doing upstairs. Um, it's, it's one of the more interesting moments of, wow, I felt like I was with this guy the whole time and now he's pretty much a huge asshole. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I still didn't feel bad for him. <laughs> I was like, all these people deserve this. We all did. I felt bad for Pierce Brosnan's wife. That's the one. She's the only person that doesn't deserve what happens to her. But other than that, like, <laughs> it's funny to watch this in the context because a lot of the time we say on the show, like, oh, God, we deserve it. We, we deserve our robot overlords. I don't know what's going on. Like, yeah, I constantly think that. And this entire movie, I was like, we deserve all this. Like, there's not a per- not a chance in the world we don't deserve some sort of simple job taking us over. Like, yeah, for sure. That was always yeah, my for thought. sure. I'll say this. I actually did feel a little sad when Terry gets shot. So after the digital bee swarm, Job is now back at the labs and they fucking snipe Terry, drunk Terry yeah, out of the, the cab. I felt a little bad because although he's obviously like a fucking drunk and could have killed any number of people in the town or Job from drunk driving, he didn't. Right. And also he like defended him as best he could against his rapist brother. I don't know if he knows that's going on, whatever. 
Um, he seems like an okay guy, and Job seems to still like him, even as he's now this sadistic pinhead of the internet. Um, and when he got shot, I was actually like, oh, that's fucked up. That's pretty fucked up. Also, I'm like, you're the, se- you're the security guy with the sniper rifle, and you can't tell the difference between uh, techno glow stick lawnmower man and the drunk gardener. <laughs> yeah, I'd say I think that's you need probably, a better sniper rifle. <laughs> yeah, I'd say that's probably uh, that's probably the like, yeah that and Pierce Brosnan's wife. I don't know. I didn't feel very bad. Like I still thought he was kind of a dick. So I was kind of yeah. okay with it. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Well, he makes him blow his own head off. That's kind of a cool sadistic moment. Yeah. Uh, actually, one of my more favorite memorable moments is the way they show Job entering the actual internet. <laughs> yeah, that is fucking gnarly. I uh... I remember as a kid that really, really bothered me. And there was this sensation that someday my energy was just going to be drained from me and I'd just be a little limp suit. Oh, God, yeah. What did, Yeah, what was I wearing back then? Just like a suit. Like there would just be like empty jean coats <laughs> and a Green Day shirt with just my skin in it. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like it's one of those things where – I mean – that never stuck with me again. Like I saw this, I saw this on TV the first time. Like, Matt, but that janitor comes in and he's like, first it was nuts, now it's entire pelts. I'm so sick of this job." <laughs> and he's like, "Well, Job's dead now. I'm definitely God my damn it. My status has dropped again. Yeah, yeah. This is gonna piss. That janitor might actually be the most tragic person in the movie. Yeah, that, now that Job is evil, the janitor has definitely the worst job by far. He's gone down again. Yep. His uh, he's worse than symbol Job by far. Yeah, I also like the idea that Job goes in and becomes this internet god, but he didn't have a pre-figured out path to escape the lab via the internet. <laughs> yeah, that was the thing that I was like <laughs> the combination keys. No, I'm stuck. And it's like, yeah, Pierce Brosnan just pull the Ethernet cord. Actually, the th- <laughs> actually the thing I was thinking too is I was like, this is a lot. I'm like, did Joss Whedon watch Lawnmower Man before Age of Ultron? Because this is a lot how that movie ends. Like, Very convoluted. This is- I also like that we take a digression to be like, let's just go full James Bond. Yeah. Like the last segment for Pierce Brosnan is straight up Goldeneye. Yeah. I feel he's like it's his, audition- it's almost his audition tape. Like, I was just like, well, yeah, what's going got on? His, he's got his machine gun. He's just throwing bombs. I'm like, he just knew where to get bombs with timers and how to set them. Yeah. He's a shirtless, sexy scientist. And he's just out here James Bonding. And then he jumps in the tank and he's like, oh, I'll fight you as Iceman, Internet God. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a strange, strange ending. Uh, but that's that's what we learn, right? Is that Job is still in there somewhere. Yeah. Amongst this avatar of destruction. Well, he gets he out. He still loves Peter. Yeah. What does he? Because the, the he gets mo- out through, wait, like, this is <laughs> some, some maintenance patch or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, because what happens is. The worst mom ever who decides to not only let Job take her kid around as a guardian beforehand, um, also lets her son go into Pierce Brosnan's basement all the time to play games, also does nothing about being abused, you know, by herself and the kid and the husband or whatever. Right, right. Um, Just decides, yeah, I'll just drive up to the fucking murder lab. And then when Pierce Brosnan tells me to drive from town, I'm going to go around the bend and fall asleep. Right. <laughs> I'm like, you are just, I feel bad, right? Because she's a victim of all this. Like, she's not treated well in this movie. 
But that is a shockingly poor parenting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't feel bad for her at all because she made those choices. She's a terrible parent. And, you know, again, there's nothing about what she's decided to do that makes me feel bad for her. She fell asleep yeah. during a serious crisis. And this is the moment where they try to spin us back, right? Job lets him out to save Peter. So we're supposed to think that Job is somewhat redeemed after all he's done. Right. And then Pierce Brosnan saves the kid and says, I'll go back underground, right? Like the next simpleton I trick into science, I'm going to do it right. <laughs> Obviously having learned nothing. Right. No. And then the phones ring, which let us know that uh, Cyber Christ was indeed born. The Job still is out there. Yes. Which leads us to a 1996 sequel, uh, Beyond Cyberspace. <laughs> which then leads us to the 2003 sequel, Google. Yeah, Google Th life. Thanks, thanks, Simple Job. <laughs> and then in 2018, we were or 2016. We were all turned into Simple Jobs <laughs> by Facebook. <laughs> it's the movie that keeps giving. Um, I, in summation, right? If you can get through just the insane length of this movie, there are some really, really cool big ideas in here. Uh, not always clear, but fun food for thought once the movie's over. I really like uh, some of the set designs. I really like some of the, the kind of horror and sci-fi moments. Yeah. Um, and if nothing else, it's just such a fucking strange, strange movie that it, it's just memorable to me. I just enjoy this movie. And I, I, like I said, we try to be positive and optimistic about the movies we talk about. And I know some of you are going to be like, you guys sounded like you hated this movie. I truly don't. I truly don't. I wouldn't have rewatched all two hours and 20 minutes of it if I didn't like it pretty well. <laughs> I think if you want to watch The Lawnmower Man, you should probably watch the original one. But uh, I don't think I needed whatever was added because I didn't see yeah, any Yeah, find the shortest cut of it and try it. This is the thing, right? There are movies on this show we've watched and we're like, eh. Yeah. Like, Cong Congo is demonstrably not a great movie, right? No. But I just, I kind of like it. And I like Lawnmower Man more than that. Humanoids from the Deep, not like a great movie, but it's kind of fun and weird. It has some, it has puppet foreplay. You're like, that's worth watching. That's interesting. <laughs> that's the thing, guys. <laughs> not all of these movies are necessarily considered classics. You got, you got to dig in there and find the stuff that is interesting to you about them. They're not all going to be and, bangers, guys. Sometimes you get, yeah, sometimes you get crucified inside the internet. Shit happens. Yeah, and Lawnmower Man to me passes that test. There's more that I like. And a lot of just the weird alchemy of the things they put on screen and how they did it um, makes this kind of shockingly entertaining uh, porridge that they might not have meant. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just... I, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting movie to me in that regard. The thought that there is a director's cut, I think, is the part that I was most intrigued by. And I was just... I, yeah. Like Both as celluloid and real world, much like the movie. <laughs> this is an interesting case. It's just a fascinating movie. And, like, there are these, like, fun little, like, you can talk about it. Like, if you watch it with your friends, you can talk about the moral, the more moral quandaries that you have in the movie. But, like, ultimately, yeah, it's worth watching. Like, there's things about yeah. this movie that are entertaining. And, again, relating back to our theme for the month, like, it's the nineties. Like the nineties were so terrified of technology and like the fear of tech is so fascinating, especially how it's interpreted uh, in the movies. Not that just, we selected this uh, month, but also just in general, 
our fear of technology and its growth and its exponential use is the thing that I think is most interesting about these kinds of things. Yeah. And you juxtapose that with this kind of Mayberry like small town where every single person is complicit in abusing this this poor poor man, lawnmower man, much like the wicker man Island, right? The lawnmower man and the wicker man, both victims. That's right. I, I think it's a good case for this technology might be scary, but humans have run their course. We need to get the fuck out of here. This is the kind of movie where I was like, man, we really deserve this. That's how I always Let's go into the spiky ball and choppy room that Pierce Brosnan made because it's better than this town. (laughs) That's it for Lawnmower Man, guys. Um, Next up, Virtuosity, which I had not seen since my parents rented it. Uh, from Blockbuster, actually, or no, Video Land, still. When I was a kid, it is such a fucking fast-paced, high-octane, metal as fuck joyride. Um, Virtuosity with Russell Crowe and Denzel up next, guys. If you like Lawnmower Man or that or any of the movies we've done, please share it with a friend. Watch the movie with your friend. Share the show. That's a way to personalize our bond with the audience, man. Get more people listening. If you find us on a directory where you can rate and review, please do so. It does help us out enormously, guys. Um, and more than all, thanks for giving us your time and talking movies with us, man. We're really enjoying it. We really hope you enjoyed. Now go out and be your own RoboChrist. <laughs> oh, my God. RoboChrist. What? Now that's a movie I would watch for two hours and 20 minutes. <laughs> From the film Alchemist, I'm Josh Griffey. I'm Alex Tandino. Peace, Jobs.